Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ starts his sermon series, Love in the House, with a message on honoring our communities. As a church, there should be love in God's house, but we should also take that love out into our communities. If we have received God's love, isn't it our job to show that same love to others? We hope you enjoy this message. The message today. I'm excited about this new series we're starting. We're calling it Love in the House. How many of you know there's this love in the house? I don't know about you, but when I'm loved by my pookie woman, it makes me feel good. Amen. And then I like I like it when my love my pookie woman loves me. I, I I used to sing a song to her when we were dating, and I used to be kind of a cute song. How many of you know we all have our little pet things that we do with our spouses or our or our boyfriends and girlfriends, right, Levi? Right? You have your little things that you do with your girlfriends or your boyfriend or even your spouses. But one of the things that I uh, I used to do with my wife when we were dating. How many of you ever heard that song by Donnie Marie Osmond? I love the little wiggle in your walk. The way you cuddle on my shoulders, but you're too young to know the score. So come back when you're older, because you're too sweet. And I used to have all these little, little things, and I used to say, the way you walk and talk, it really sets me off. You're dynamite, child. Oh, baby. The way you shake, you can figure out the rest, right? But we all had these little little jingles, little things that we love about our spouses or about our boyfriends or girlfriends. But we always have these little things that make us feel good and how we love and how we show love. I don't know about you. How many of you have a special song that when it comes on the radio, it makes you melt, right? Like mine. Lady in red is dancing with me. Cheek to cheek, I will forget the way you look tonight right right how about this one how about this I'll make love to you like you want me to and I'll hold you tight baby all through the night Ooh, it's getting hot in here you know what they say it's getting hot in here so take off no right right but we all have these little songs, little jingles, little things. We have these little eye motions or little habits that we look at someone. Oh, that's the eye of death. Or that's the eye of a smile. Or We all have these things that make us feel loved or accepted. And there's love in the house. And there's one way or another we show love and appreciation to our individuals, our spouses, our kids, or our girlfriends and boyfriends. But we always show some kind of love. And I remember, because of my background, I remember growing up, obviously, with my three fathers and three mothers and having a bad childhood growing up and growing up in the ghetto and so on and so forth. I didn't have the love like maybe some of you have. My mom was a lover and not a fighter. She was great, but she was the only one that really loved us. Of course, my dad and my three three fathers and my two other mothers, they didn't love like my mom did. So I didn't really have a house full of love that maybe some of you had. But when I experienced love, it made me feel good. It made me feel good. I didn't have a dad that came to any of my basketball games. 
He never came to my games all through junior high, high school. He came to one game, and that was a tournament in college, and that's when I won the MVP award. But that's the only time he ever came to see me play. I would see, you know, young men that I played basketball with. Their parents would always be in the stands yelling and cheering and so on. And you could see those kids, man, that they felt loved and accepted. My mom and my dad were here, but mine wasn't. My, even my mom couldn't come because she worked second shift at St. Mary's Hospital, so she never came, and so I never really felt that love. But there's something about love. When love hits the house, it melts you, it changes you, it transforms you, because why? You feel appreciated, you feel accepted, and most of all, you feel important that someone loves you. When I was growing up a kid, obviously, because I didn't have love in the, my household, I would go to my friend Gary and Kevin's house, and they were Italians. I mean to tell you, they were Italians through and through. And the only way that they knew how to greet you, ladies especially, they had six boys, and the only way they knew how to greet you was Italians love to kiss. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And it's not about mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball, right? I mean, they, they'll come up to you and they embrace you, and man, they kiss you. And I remember the first time I took Cheryl there as my girlfriend at the time, and all of a sudden they're all smacking my girlfriend. First of all, I wanted to get jealous. Wait a minute, that's my woman. Mm. And so finally, after the third one that smacked her, my wife said, honey, what am I supposed to do? I said, well, be like Mrs. Lavore and just turn your cheek. So she started turning her cheek. But, you know, one of the things that stuck out with me with Kevin and Gary's house was there was so much love in the house. I mean, those folks, they really genuinely loved people. David Slavore, the dad, he was amazing. He interacted with his six boys. and Man, he was just a great, great guy. He was a guy that I looked up to is that when I ever become a father, I want to be like the Slavore family that not only had love in the house, but the love that they had in the house was also being extended outward. There was never a time that I would go over to the Slavore's house, and that house was always packed with kids. I mean, it was always packed with kids. And, man, those kids felt loved. They felt accepted. And they never complained about the food and the groceries. Man, we eat them out of house and home. Out of house and home. And they never complained at one point. They always just reached out in love. It was a safe place where us guys can go and hang out, play basketball, and do everything. And so I always said, if I ever get that opportunity to be that as a father and as, a, as, a, as an example to others, I want to be that. So when my kids were growing up, guess what our house became like? It became like the Slavors. And so many people ask today, Pastor, how did your kids turn out the way they are? And they're all in ministry and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my kids aren't perfect by no means. They're not perfect. My kids are sinners just like all of us. But how do they become what they are now? Well, I believe it's because of love. Love can take the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. Love can change a person from that's mad inside, that's grumpy and sad. Love can change the attitude or the countenance of a person. And so what happened was, is we all the time instilled love in our kids. So even though I was busy and I was starting out of this church, that was 26 people when I started there in Colorado, and I was very, very busy. In 10 years, man, that church grew to 1,200 and some people. And man, guess what happened? We had to go through three different building programs. So I was really, really busy. 
But what I did is each day, I would take my kids once a week. I would take each one, Rick, 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 CJ, and Heidi. I would take each one individually and give them my undivided attention for two hours. The first two hours, what we do is we go eat, and I would sit right across the table from them or the booth, whether it be Taco Bell, Burger King, McDonald's, or Wendy's, whatever it was, and I would sit across the table from them, and I'd say, Rick, tell me what's going on. Heidi, tell me what's going on. CJ, tell me what's going on. And I would allow them to tell me their problems or their situations in life, and I would say, hey, I might not agree with everything that's going on, but I want to hear it first before I hear it secondhand from somebody else. And so what happened was my kids and I, we built this relationship and this trust. And my kids and I, we built this bond and this love and this tightness between my, uh, mom and dad and our, and our kids. And so our kids today, as they're growing up, they say, Dad, Mom, one of the things that made us stick to where we are is that you loved us for who we are and you let us be kids for what we really were. You didn't create us and make us try to be adults right away. You allowed us to enjoy our junior high, our high school, and you allowed us to be who we are. And Mom and Dad, we want to say thank you for loving us for just who we are. And you know, from that love that we showed to our kids, our, our house was Grand Central Station. Today, I can honestly say we probably have six or so adopted sons that call us mom and dad. They're not really adopted, but they have adopted us as their parents. And the reason why is because they love us and we love them. We would take kids on vacation with us. I remember the first time, and please understand this when I say this, my father, man, he grew up in the era where racism was a horrible thing. Back in the 50s and the 60s, racism was horrible. And I'll never forget, my dad would always been, wasn't really respectful to different color races. And he wasn't very respectful to them. And you know what racism is? Racism is fear of the other color. What happens is a lot of times we have racism towards people is because we are, don't know the other color and we don't know the, maybe the culture or the makeup of them. And so instead of embracing them and getting to know them, we talk about them. And so what happened was my, my father and I, I called him. I said, Dad, I want you to know I'm bringing an African-American boy with us on vacation. And his name is Andrew. And he started, no, no, don't you dare bring that guy in my house. Don't you dare bring him in my house. Ah, no, no. I said, Dad, either I can or I can't. And if I can't, I'm not coming. My dad said, okay, bring him. And so you know what happened was? We brought Andrew there, and Andrew was like our adopted son. As a matter of fact, we follow him on, on Facebook, and today, Pastor Andrew, he's a 49er fan. But today, can you tell who we're, can you tell who we're rooting for? Kansas City. Look at that. These are Kansas City Chiefs colors, amen? Patrick Mahomes throw the bomb, then it waved to his mom, right? But anyways, uh, but you know what's crazy? So I took Andrew there, and man, we were kind of anticipating my dad to have a reaction. But you know what it was? Before you know it, man, my dad was sitting down with Andrew. Man, before you know it, not only was my dad sitting down with Andrew and having a conversation with him, my dad was now putting my, his arm around Andrew his whole countenance, his whole attitude changed. You know why? It was because of the fear of the unknown. What happens is a lot of times we build up walls of resistance because of the fear of the unknown. But the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. That God wants us to love one another, to reach out and touch and say, hey, listen, I'm letting down my walls and I'm going to let that person in and I'm going to show gratitude, love, and devotion to them. 
That's what God is all about. You see, listen, if you have your notes, as a church, there should be love in the house. Through the outside world, through the outside world, different colors, races, and creeds, and to each other. That we need to love one another. That we need to love one another. Next week, next month, we're going to talk about the power of one. You know how the power of one starts? You get generated, you get a power by numbers, by unity. But you know how unity starts? By letting go of unforgiveness. And once we let go of unforgiveness and take down those walls and those barriers and those offenses that we have for one another, guess what happened? The power of one comes together, and then there's no limit to what we can do for the glory of God. But what happens is, listen, in John 15, Jesus is speaking a parable. And I love what Jesus says because he says he, we must remain in him. Our DNA, which runs in us, is the DNA or the blood of Christ. Paul says, man, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship and of his suffering. That, God, I want to know you. I want to know not only you, but, God, I want to even fellowship in your sufferings. My DNA, Lord, let the man mosquito bite me and fly away, singing there's power in the blood, because I want Jesus' DNA to be flowing through me, right? But he says this, if you remain, he's talking about you. If you remain in me, how do you remain and be grafted into Jesus? If you remain in me and my words remain in you. The words, what's his words? His word is the Bible, B-L-E, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. That God said, if you allow the Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth, to be in you and follow my word, you will, man, be blessed beyond measure. Then he goes on to say, he said, my word's in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You see what it is. With every action, there's a reaction. So here's our action. You must remain in him, and his word must remain in you. You see, you can't just expect God to drop a pie in the sky on you without doing your part. With every action, there's a reaction. Your action is, I'm going to remain in you. I'm going to be trustful. I'm going to be truthful. I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to love you with all my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, because after all, that's the first greatest command. But then, my words are going to remain in you. That I'm going to be what God called me to be. Then he goes on this. I love this. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. That you bear much fruit. If you know what it is, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Have you ever noticed what the fruit of the Spirit is? It starts out with love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control is the last one. If you don't have love and self-control that are the bookends of the fruit of the Spirit, if you lose love or lose self-control, guess what happens? All your joy, all your kindness, everything falls aside because why? You lost one of the bookends. And the first bookend is love, that I have to remain and steadfast in love with God and with others. After all, the second greatest command is what? Love your neighbor as what? yourself. Sometimes you say, I can't love my neighbor. Man, Pastor, you don't understand what he or she done to me. I can't love them. Well, when I think about that, look what they did to Jesus, who was innocent without sin, and yet they crucified him. And if Jesus can do it, guess what? We can do it. Because why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Jesus can give you the ability to stand strong even when you feel like you can't. 
And I love this. He says this. He says, this is for my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, disciple means his hands and his feet extended. That I'm going to be the witness, the example, the, 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 the person that God wants me to be, the role model. You ever notice how, how do people really know that you're a Christian? You know, the Bible says in James 2.19 that even demons believe there's a God. Anybody can say that we believe in God. Even demons say they believe in God. But what makes a difference between us and them is that we are disciples. And disciples carry out the business or the responsibility or the fruits of Jesus. Have you ever imagined what Jesus was? Every time Jesus came upon a crowd, he moved with compassion. In other words, he knew understanding, he knew where they were, and he felt mercy for them, he felt grace for them, and he felt love for them. And as a disciple, we need to let down our walls, our barriers, and say, listen, I'm going to be Jesus' love in motion. And he goes on to say, watch this, I love this, keep going. He says, as the Father has loved me, now that's you, as the Father has loved you, or, or he's talking about Jesus, so have I loved you. So he's talking about as a father, his father, God, which loved me. So I have loved you. That same love that God showed to Jesus, he loves you with. And he goes on to say, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Now watch this. This gets good. He says in verse 11, go ahead. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, isn't that something? Now, if you want to remain in Christ and you want to say you're a disciple and you want to say you're a believer, people don't care what you say. They want to know how much you care. They don't know how much worry about how much you know. They want to know how much you care. Were you willing to go the extra mile? Will you be able to be, uh, 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 be true and, 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 and faithful to them? That's what people really look for in your life. That's what makes you different. If you have your notes, notice what Jesus says. You cannot remain in him without love. You cannot remain in Christ without love because God is love. Look at this. Love is an inward feeling with an outward expression. So, man, because I love my wife, guess what I do? I'm going to do? I'm going to show her not just with words but with action. I know that some of the things that my wife loves. She loves me when I take the, uh, the garbage out. She loves that. She loves it when I do the dishes and I get palm olive hands. I don't like it because she turns the water on. It's scouring hot and I have to put my hands in there. But I love you, baby. <laughs> you see, there's different ways that you show love. Whether it be sending her a card, whether you buy her flowers, whatever it may be, different ways you show her love. And so that's what God, it's love in motion. You feel those goosebumps. I love it when I see Daniel. Daniel's out here, and man, he's dating the claw weather girl. I can tell you one thing. You should see him when they come on Wednesday nights. Man, she reserves a seat for Daniel. Daniel comes in like the man just from work. Man, she comes in, hey, baby, how you doing? I love it. There's hearts all over the place, right? I mean, you can't even get close to them. Nobody does because boom, 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 right? But I love watching love in motion. I love watching love in motion. But that's what it is. It's all about love in motion. Love was given to us by God so that the same love we receive can be given to others. 
It can't be given to God. Love cannot, like, love can melt a hard heart, change the course of man's direction, bring families back together, and heal the brokenhearted. How many of you know that's true? Love. You remember the day that you fell in love with your spouse? You remember the day when your child was born and how you instantly loved them? There's something about love. You see, we're in Valentine's week or in Valentine's month. February is Valentine's month, love month. Then we need to be a church that loves. In Acts chapter 1, verse, excuse me, in John, 1 John chapter 4, look at what Jesus says. Look at how Jesus is summed up or God sums it up. He says this in John chapter 4, uh, 1 John 4, 1, 7 through 8, 18. Look at what he says. Can you get that up there, 1 John 4? It's up there. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. For love comes from God. He says this, anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So in other words, you know God because of the love that you have in you, you show towards others. He says this, who says, whoever does not and does not know God, because God is love. He says in verse 9, this is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So in other words, what he's saying is that God is love. That we need to be a church that loves. Loves one another, forgives one another, accepts one another. Some of the saddest times I hear in church is that we as Christians, we shoot our own. We shoot our own we, man, when we see somebody down sometimes as a church, we, man, we keep them down. In other words, we should be lifting them up with love. That we should say, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to come against you. I'm not going to talk about you. I'm not going to gossip about you. But I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to love you through your hard times of life. That's what the church is all about. Then he goes on to say, this is how, this is how God showed his love. This is, how, this is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now watch this. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You know, this is not me speaking. It's an inward feeling with an outward expression that we should love one another. Then he goes on to say, he says, no one has ever seen God but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So what's our role as a, as a Christian, as a believer? Is to love. The first greatest command is to love God, love your neighbor, second. And so God wants us to love one another. And it goes on to say, verse, can you get to the next one? It says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us the spirit. The spirit, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, now lives in you. Aren't you glad if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation? The old things have passed away, and all things become new. And part of the new things that God has put in you, part of those new things that God's put in you, is the spirit of love. He's taken your stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. Many of you have reasons to be mad or angry, upset, or this, that, and the other thing. Maybe your childhood wasn't like it's supposed to be, and maybe you're mad at your mom or your dad or your grandparents or whatever. Hey, if anybody had a right to be upset and mad about things, it was Paul or Saul in the Bible. The Bible says he was a chief of sinners. Man, he went through man, a lot of things in his life, but yet when it came to God, God transformed him and changed him. And guess what? He was leading the charge now of loving the church. We all maybe have reasons to be angry and upset, but if you know God, 
You're going to let go of those things and get a hold of God and his love, and life will be more complete. Then he goes on to say this, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be a Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, what you have, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Now, this is so cool. Now, watch this. Watch. Go ahead. Can you, he says, God is love. Whoever lives Loves whoever lives in love lives lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete. Everybody say complete. complete. Among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. We are like we are like Jesus. We are like Jesus. Man, he loves me. I remember. Some time ago when I was youth pastor, I wasn't feeling so lovely. And God gave me a song. I'm in love. 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 Sweet Holy Spirit, I'm in love. He began to transform my heart. Sometimes you need to sing a song to God and just tell him, God, I'm in love with you. Some of you are clenching your fists. You're all stressed out, wound up and bound up because you can't let go of love. When is the last time you told your kids you love them? When is the last time you told your spouse you love them? When is the last time you called your mom or your dad and told them you love them? We all want to feel love. We want love to be given to us. But a lot of times we don't want to give love back. And what holds us from giving love back is because we hold on maybe to resentment, anger, and offenses. And God could have done that. But the Bible says if they strike you on one cheek, turn them and let them strike you on the other. The Bible says to forgive 70 times seven. And some of you aren't receiving that love. It's like water on a duck's back. It just flows off you because you're so caught up with your mess. And your mess is not allowing you to have that sponge for love. And therefore, you can't give it back. And maybe, just maybe, your spouse is dying because you're not willing to give out love. And you hear, I hear this said all the time, well, my grandfather did it this way, and my dad did it that way, and man, I can't do it any different because it's how my grandfather did, and it's how my dad did, and so I can't do that. Well, let me tell you something. I grew up in that home. And you know what? When I accepted Jesus, I broke the mold. I said, I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm not going to be like my grandfather. I'm going to start a new trend. I'm going to show love. You see, you set the course for your life. You set your course for your life. You can bring up all kinds of excuses, but excuses only keep you parked. Hope brings you to the future. And hope is this, that God has a new plan for your life, plans to give you hope for your future. And I love this. Watch this. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with the punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect. i got to move on. You see, if we claim to love God and not show love, God does not 
that God does not live in us. Love was given to us by God so that the same love we receive can be given to others. Love can melt a heart, change the course of a family's direction. When God calls us to, uh, to communities, he doesn't leave us empty-handed. I'm going fast from Acts chapter 1. We don't have to go there. But I want you to see four traits, and I see it's time to click, four benefits of the Holy Spirit. I want, you to, I want to just touch on this real quick, so go ahead and jump to that, really, will you? Four benefits of the Holy Spirit. I want you to see this. How many of you believe that the Spirit of God now lives in you? And if he lives in you, you don't have an excuse anymore. When he gives you something, what he says, number one, the benefits of the Holy Spirit that lives in you gives you power and strength to go. You see, if God can use a donkey, he can use you. And then all you have to do is open your mouth, and God said, I'll fill it. God said, I'll fill it. I'll fill it with words of affirmation, encouragement, joy. But he gives you power to go, love to give, love to give. I don't know about you, but, man, I'll tell you, it's been a blast uh, coaching Siren High School basketball. Man, we have found our stride. Nobody going to break up my stride. Nobody going to slow me down. Oh, no, I got to keep on moving. Siren beat Grantsburg. Nobody. Amen. Hey, you know what? It's been a blast because you know what? All 20 of those boys, in one way or the other, I've had an opportunity to be able to minister love. We have a teacher here in our midst with Siren today, and I'm so glad he's here. He loves the Lord, and he knows what I'm talking about. You know, I've had an opportunity to share with every one of those boys. And the other day, one of our players got a thousand point victory, and he, he scored a thousand points in his career. And at the end of the game, check this out. And I really only got to know this young man throughout this year. I've known of him two years ago. But this <laughs> last week, he scored 1,000 points. So I didn't know this young man very much. Guess what he did? He hunted me down in amongst the crowd right out here. He said, Coach, Coach, I want a picture of you. So he came and got me and his mom and dad who I've been praying for his father who's gone through some complications. He put his arm around me and said, Coach, this is words. This is words, Jeff. Nathan. He said, Coach, I want to thank you. So he sent me the picture on my phone. And with the picture, the picture that he sent on my phone, it was followed up by his sister. His sister writes on there, said, Coach CJ, she said, I want to thank you for the inspiration that you have been to my brother and to my family. You have changed the culture for Siren's basketball team. Let me tell you something, folks. You never know what love can do if you don't get it. And all I'm doing is loving those guys. These guys right here, man. You should see our basketball team. Friday night, we ready. We ready. We ready. 
for y'all. We don't have a mic, amen. I'm glad to. But you know what? Listen. Love, fruit of the Spirit, fruit to share. What is fruit to share? Kindness, goodness, love, forgiveness, forbearance. That's fruit of sharing. Last one, gifts to give. You know one of the gifts that we have? The gift of encouragement. You know, a lot of people say to me, Pastor, you're such a Green Bay Packer fan. And I would have loved it if they would have been in the Super Bowl because if the Chiefs and the Packers, that's 50 years ago that the Packers and the Chiefs played. 50 years ago, that's how long it's been for Andrew. You've been in a drought, my man. I would have loved that. But you know, a lot of people say to me, Pastor, you're such a Packer fan. I said, yeah. And they said, man, why are you such a diehard Packer fan? I said, because we're great. You know why the G is on the Packers helmet? God's team. Other people think it's because of Green Bay. No. You know why it's really on there? Because when Vince Lombardi took over that team, they were a bunch of losers. Some of you probably say they still are. But they were a bunch of losers, true story. They were a bunch of losers. So he had to change the attitude. You know what he did? He put the G on the helmet for a reason. What that G stands for, not Green Bay, not God's team, but that G stands for great. And every time when Vince Lombardi coached those teams, he would remind them that they are great. And that encouragement and those words of affirmation turned that team around so much that they went on to win Super Bowls. Now, if you go to the Green Bay, you can go to the museum and they call it Title Town. My whole point is, you got gifts to give, and one of the gifts that you can give to your spouse, to your kids, to one another, is the gift of encouragement. You see, basketball is 90% confidence and 10% ability. And you know what changed our team around? It wasn't that those boys didn't have the talent. They just needed the confidence of knowing that they can do it. And sometimes in your life, all you have to do, you don't have to put on pom-poms, put on your skirt, and jump in the air and say, go team, go team. Just all you have to do is tell your spouse, tell your family, tell your community that you can do it. And those words of affirmation is love. And it will pick, pick them up and encourage them and compel them to do something bigger and better in their lives. We as a church need to rise up and say, I am a church that's going to love and reach out and encourage one another around our communities, around one another. Because why? God lives in me and God is love. And if God loves me, I'm going to love the world with God. Come on, church. That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to love. Now, I want you to take out your bulletins as we close. I didn't get done through this. I didn't even get through this sermon. That's what happens when I write. I don't ever get through it. But in the, the, that page, you see what? It says, taking love outside the church. Over this next month, I'm putting a challenge to you. Three things I always want to do. Encourage you, challenge you, inspire you. Here's a challenge. The challenge is this week, I want you to take love out to our community. How can we do that? Just some things. You can think some other ways. Maybe wash somebody's windshield at a gas station. Man, show somebody love. 
Another one is say an extra thank you to your server or to your waitress or to your serve, people that serve you. Tell them thank you. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Let them know. Another one is play it forward. Pay for somebody's coffee. Man, Pastor Andrew did that. Man, he said, Pastor, it was awesome. Another one is take someone out for coffee. Let me just say this. We need to be a church that reaches out of these four walls and say, God, let me be a tentacle. Let me be a tentacle in Siren. Let me be a tentacle in Webster. Let me be a tentacle in Grantsburg. Let me be a tentacle in, in, in a, a Spooner. Let me be a tentacle, Lord, in Luck and Frederick and all these other communities. Let us be a church that shows love and not just talks about love, but love in action to those around us. Let's rise up. Come on, reach out and touch. Let's love someone. Let them know that they're, that they're cared for. Will you stand with me today? I see I went over. I'm sorry, Andrew. I'll get too much. I'll get going, man. I know he's got he's to take this all down. But, hey, will you do me a favor? I know you guys don't like this. But I want you to grab your neighbor's hand. My wife hates doing that because her hands are sweaty, all right? But I want to pray over you. Next week, next week, we're going to do something very special. We're going to give out gifts next week. You know who we're going to talk about next week? Because I love them with all my heart. We got something very special. But if you're a widow, if you're a single mom and dad, I want to encourage you. You're a single mom or dad or a widow. We want you to be here because we have something that we're personally going to give you. Man, you're not going to want to miss the gift. Trust me. I raised the money to buy them, and we're going to hand one to you next week. So if you're a widow, you're a single mom or dad, please don't miss next week's service. We have something very, very special for you. Very special. We want to give it to you. But I'm having you hold hands today because you know why? That's your brother and your sister next to you. That's your brother and sister next to you. And you know what? They're not biting. You see, you can touch them. You can love them. You can forgive them. You can accept them. And we can be friends and we can point them to Jesus. Father, I thank you for this wonderful church today. Lord, I didn't get through half my sermon. But I know, God, that the point got across to love. Let us be a church that loves one another and reaches outside these four walls. Let's not just talk, but let us be a church of love and action. Let us show many ways that we can touch this community, Lord, for your glory, for your honor. Let us not be eye-centered, but world-centered, community-centered. Let's look upon the field that is ripe in the harvest. I pray in the name of Jesus that, God, you give us a boldness, a power, and authority to walk in the presence of you like never before. That, Lord, we will reach out, Lord, and show our love to one another and to this communities. Bless this wonderful church, Lord, I pray. And I do pray a special prayer for Pastor Andrew and his chiefs today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you today. Have a great day in Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com slash give. Thank you for your generous donation.